Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge Line from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network Headquarters. Today is November the 10th, 2011, and that means tomorrow will be a Veterans Day special show. Most of it will be a rebroadcast of the special show we do every Veterans Day, but there'll be some new stuff on there for you. But today is episode 782, and we will shortly be joined by Mr. James Sellers, who is a licensed mental health professional, and he's going to talk to us about the state of the country, the way people are, he's noticing more and more people with anxiety issues, some thoughts on children improving their health, some thoughts on improving our mental health through you know crazy activities like animal husbandry, gardening, and getting out into the outdoors. He's a really cool guy, he's a prepper, long-term listener to the show himself, and we'll have him with us in just a minute. Before we bring him on, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day. Number one today is Western Botanicals. You know, um, we're going to talk a little bit today with James about the effects of all these drugs that we have people on. You know, there's a lot of things that we can address either just by taking a walk or fixing our problems or occasionally through the use of herbal supplements and herbal preparations. When I need something herbal and I don't have it growing in my backyard or on my shelf, I go to Western Botanicals because I know they're going to have it. I also know that it's going to be wild-crafted or organically grown, and I know if I don't know what I need, I pick up the phone and I talk to Kyle Christensen over there or any of his staff, they're going to help me. And I know they're going to help me not because they're a sponsor to my show, but they're going to help me because they'll help anybody including you if you'll pick up the phone and make that call. Wonderful people, wonderful products, great service, longtime sponsor and great supporter of the show and the member support brigade. They have a special preferred customer program. It's $50 a year. You save 25% on everything they sell. And guess what? MSB members, you get your first year of that free and you get your renewals if you choose to keep it at $25 a year at half price. So it is a great program. Check them out today, westernbotanicals.com. Next up today is Knife Kits. You know, Knife Kits is the company for everybody that loves knives and wants to build their own knives and have custom unique knives that they can either make and give to other people or just make for themselves or just want to learn the skill. And it's for anybody in that world, from the novice that's just learning to the, the complete amateur that's never even done it before that needs a DVD to show you how, to a master bladesmith that needs custom uh, high-end raw materials like Damascus steel or mammoth tusk for making handles with. It's really an awesome, awesome company. Check them out. Remember, they also have a... Uh, a, a print catalog that you can have mailed to you that I actually have found kind of enjoyable to sit around and look at on cold rainy days and things like that and think what do I want to build for myself and, and what have you and of course I wear a, a, a around my neck every day a, a custom built uh, neck, neck knife that was built by uh, Patrick from MT Knives and the uh, handle material is uh, Mammoth Tusk handle material that came from uh, KnifeKits.com and uh, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to have. And it's something special and one of a kind. And that's what Knife Kits is really all about. Even if you're just making a basic, easy-to-put-together knife, having something that's unique where you choose the materials and you build it the way that you want it. So check them out as well. Remember, you can connect with me on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And uh, we are now on the Prepper Podcast Radio Network. That is at PrepperPodcast.com. Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. 
And uh, you support the show at 20 cents an episode. Of course, military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, or prior service. Email me at jack at com before you join, and I will give you a special discount code in recognition for national service. It's something I feel that I can do to give back to those who have given and served this nation in one capacity or another or continue to do so. With that, I do have the housekeeping wrapped up, and as I said during uh, the introduction segment, we have Mr. James Sellers with us today. He's a mental health professional practicing in Long Island, New York, and he has noticed uh, quite a few different things and some different dynamics going on in his practice lately. And uh, he's here today to talk to us about that, prepping in general, the state of our world, uh, and how to deal with anxiety and stress as we prep and prepare for dealing with tough times. James, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thank you very much, Jack. So, James, for folks that, like, you know, obviously, I mean, I just met you today myself on air. We've been chatting a little bit by email up till now. So, for everybody's benefit, tell folks who you are, kind of what your background is, and what you do uh, on a day-to-day basis. Fair enough. Uh on a day-to-day basis, <laughs> there's a lot of things that fit in there, but I'm a uh, licensed clinical social worker. I'm in private practice for just under 14 years. Um, I live on Long Island, in well, on Long Island in New York, and uh, my practice is probably about 10, 12 miles from my home. And um, I don't know, going back... Uh, the young guy, uh, just always been interested in the outdoors and the scouting and things of that nature. I'm a hunter and uh, own some rural property upstate. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll be building on this upcoming season. Um, and uh, been a volunteer emergency medical technician for nine years at the local fire department, ham radio operator. I was into uh, martial arts for quite a number of years when I was young. And it's all because, like, it's just who I am and, and what I, things that I enjoyed. And I didn't even realize that, you know, going through life, I was kind of uh, providing a pretty well-rounded uh, uh, situation for myself when it came to self-sufficiency and, 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 and being self-reliant as an individual. Um, and uh, didn't really quite realize that um, this was, you know, a whole world that I, I discovered as far as prepping goes, and <laughs> and uh, been been kind of naturally doing it my whole life. Really cool. So I mean, you come at this from a unique viewpoint because you are someone that assists people with mental health issues, and at the same time, you're a prepper. And of course, we as a group get labeled as being mentally unstable all the time uh, by people that I guess don't really understand what we actually mean and what we're actually doing. But the big thing we wanted to have you on the air to talk about today is what you're noticing in your practice. So are you kind of noticing like an uptick in like fear-based conditions in the people that you're working with today? Uh, without a doubt, Jack. You know, um, the level of anxiety, uh, I'd say over the last uh, three to five years has definitely increased. And I'd say in the past 18 months has uh, exponentially increased in, in my day-to-day operations. Um, so, y- yes, and this is coming from, you know, clientele I see, uh, you know, young people, uh, you know, school-age kids, you know, through adults. Um, I do more of a family-based practice, so um, it's the demographics are wide. Uh, on that note, though, with people with all this anxiety and all, I mean, today aren't there actually legitimate reasons and concerns? So these aren't people that are necessarily, maybe some of them are overreacting, but maybe some of them are just concerned about things that we really all have to face right now. I mean, 
I have quite a bit of anxiety about the future of my country right now. Yeah, I agree with you. And yes, they're absolutely legitimate. This is nothing, and I don't want to make any, any, uh, anybody think or, or give the impression we're talking about unstable individuals. I'm, I'm speaking about, uh, you know, active functioning members of society and families and, and people as, like yourself and myself that, that just really have, um, a generalized anxiety of the, uh, the the future of the country, the future of their their own li- livelihood. Um, I know uh, you know the show is broadcast you know far and wide, but here in the New York City metro area, um, you know I've had people coming in. To, Jim, how do we get off Long Island if if you know if one of these asteroids hits, or or how, how, what, what happens if you know the 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 dollar tanks and and it's worth nothing and and I lose my job and I have people borrowing off their pension funds and 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 retirements to pay their property taxes that are astronomical, but so they're they're struggling between you know should we stay with up with the Joneses and live this material life and then when I get them behind you know that's the outside mask that people wear and then when I get them behind closed doors and we actually get you know break some of those emotional walls down and you see you know the the level of fear in people. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. However, I gotta tell you, I'm really, really encouraged if it, by, by all the anxiety and the discussions I've been having because I think we're finally turning, um, a societal page, <laughs> if you will, uh, people reevaluating of, you know, what really is important to them and where they want their lives and their families' lives to go. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, if you're going to address a problem, we have to confront a problem. So we have an alcoholic. You got to admit he's an alcoholic before we can get him off the sauce. But in some ways, it's got to be more difficult to counsel people with these concerns. If you have a guy that came in, dude, I'm afraid the spiders are going to get me. Right? We can just like have to work through this neurotic behavior and basically explain, no, the spiders are not coming to get you. And I'm just you know picking something random there. But if it's an irrational fear with no basis. As a counselor, I would imagine you can work on that in one way, where if a person is saying, I'm afraid the, the currency is going to tank, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my pension, I can't afford my property taxes to live here anymore, these are legitimate concerns, so we have to address them in an entirely different way, I would imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. The, you know, a lot of anxiety, you, everybody knows if you've heard of uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder or obsessive compulsive personality disorder. They're two different things. And I'm not going to bore you with like just the diagnostics and what you look for and the criteria. But um, along those lines, I mean, you know, you can watch Hollywood movies of people washing their hands 52 times a day. And yeah, that could be one of the symptoms or signs of, of, of someone with OCD. But it really becomes a, a, uh, a, it's under the classification of an anxiety disorder. So you know, I'm using it as an example because what I, what I say to people all the time, and I ask them, yeah, how how badly are these fears or concerns or anxieties uh, impacting your life negatively? Uh, and you know, everybody has a different gauge. So what's right for me, or, or may not be right for you or the next guy. Um, if I have a fear of the economy tanking or losing my job, like how legitimate is that? Is that something? Is that something that keeps me up awake all night? Is that something that has stopped me from eating, or am I overeating? Uh, is it affecting my marriage or how I drive, or am I drinking too much to avoid, you know, the real issue in my life? 
if if people answer yes to any of those, you know, it's definitely worth taking a look at, and it, it legitimizes their individual concerns. On that note, is there maybe a healthy way to address that with these concerns are actually legitimate and, you know, preparedness is actually a solution to this anxiety because it gives you a, a feeling of control. And in some ways I think that it's, it's easier to address than certain fears. Like you could be afraid that you're going to get run over by a truck tomorrow and there's only thing, so much you can do prevent yourself from being run over by a truck. But if you're worried about an economic problem, there's a lot of things you can do to position yourself in a better state and address the anxiety through action versus reaction. 100%. All my clientele, Jack, would tell you that I'm always using the word uh, proactive. Um, and and I believe that that is the stance. And that is why I, I just, I really love the same way you have the same passion for the work you do. I, I I'm doing it on a different level. I'm not reaching the audience that you necessarily are in vast numbers, but sitting there and being able to to work somebody through um, a life and a and a way of thinking that that is really either dysfunctional or uh, approaching dysfunction uh, and bringing them to a place and helping them bring themselves to a place uh, where they can actually you know advocate for themselves and and. Pre- position themselves in a way that, um, you know, in a methodical uh, step-by-step fashion, um, it, it's just incredible. And, and it's it's a great way to, uh, um, it, it's work that I love doing. Um, I, I think <laughs> what I always, when I use the word uh, proactive, you know, it's basically asking yourself that question, what can I do to, to minimize the level of stress I have? None of us are going to get rid of it 100%. There is no perfect or definite. But what can I do to minimize it? How can I feel better driving to work today? If I don't like that big Long Island Expressway with all those big tractor trailers, are there other ways I can go that are maybe more safe for me? And I still accomplish the same goal. And thinking like that has really, really been helpful for many individuals. And I live that way myself. What role do you think maybe the media is playing in this today? Because, I mean, I'm just thinking back to when I was a kid, and my dad was uh, fairly much into the whole stock market trading scenario. But, you know, he worked 12, 14-hour days in, in more of a tradesman-type environment. So it wasn't sitting there, you know, there wasn't a Google Finance to be plugged into. Um, you, you got your stock prices, you know, for what the market did and the nightly news, and that was about it. There was a little ticker maybe that went across with, like, the 10 big stocks of the day and where they moved. And then today, like... Every time the market moves a point, there's a, like a news flash about it, and the, so and it's not just the market. That's just one example. Anytime anything happens anywhere, we've got 24/7 coverage from the mainstream media, and then we have like five million bloggers and alternative media sources chiming in on it. And I think a lot of that's good because we know more now. But are we obsessed with it as a society? Is that part of the the, the problem? Uh, you know, you're hitting a, a nerve in me because I have a discussion slash um, heated discussion <laughs> with many individuals every week, and they're paying me good money. All right, I, I, I'm I'm in a in a position and in a in an environment that, despite the economic times we're in, I can make a tremendous living. Uh, and when I say tremendous, I'm not talking millionaire. I can support me and my family uh, with very little to no debt on my practice and I don't participate in the insurance companies and everything else because I just like a full-blown um, 
you know, self-directed and uh, self-determination is when it comes to, to my practice. Um, so they, they come in here and they're paying out of pocket. That's another way of saying it simply. Um, and I have to tell people constantly to please put their iPhone down, to stop with their BlackBerry, who's texting them. Uh, oh, you mean while you're talking to them? While I'm session? talking to them. Oh, wow. And the very person that's sitting in front of me, or people in a family situation, that, that's, that's upset about the way their life is going, that's anxious about all the obligations they have to meet, and fearful about what may be tomorrow or not be tomorrow, sitting here playing the part like the drone, just really so connected on so many different levels with so many different streams of influence, and a lot of it is media-based. Um, I don't know if you got it out there where you are, but, uh, you know, when the iPhone 4S two weeks ago or whatever it was came out, you know, people were literally sleeping on the sidewalk for this thing. Yeah. And and, and it's like, okay, it's a cool gadget, um, but really? <laughs> you, well, you even know, if you want one, they'll have one tomorrow. You exactly. Where are they going, one. you know? Um, you know, why be so – so it, they have – I think that's – it's the social media as well as, you know, the, the old-fashioned types of TV and radio and, and, and different streams. But, um, you know, this has definitely been a major player in the level, level of uh, anxieties going forward. And I think it's taken away from so much of what we basically are made to do, and that's be, you know, part of a family. And that family structure may look very different from family to family, but you're part of something. It takes away from, you know, individuality. It takes away from creativity. Um, and on the flip side, it, you know, like you said, there's some good to it. You can pull up a stock number or quote or whatever it is instantaneously. Or, you know, if we had uh, a little bit more time, you and I can be looking at each other having this interview. Uh, through some kind of gadget, um, and not even paying much out of pocket. <laughs> well, absolutely. That. I mean, we use you Skype, know. Skype to Skype yeah. with a video camera, and you can have that for free today. Right. Um, other than paying for the gadget itself, and right. so I mean, there is some good to that. My my greater concern, you know me, you've listened long enough. You know, I'm not a tin hat guy. I'm not the Alex Jones of podcasting or anything like that. So I'm not like, everybody's out to get you, man. Right, um, right, right. But when I look at government, I know that government and corporations together, working together, and that's what we have in this country, whether anybody wants to accept that or not, always have objectives. And those objectives are control, tax base, and revenue, right? That's, that's, that's the objective. And if you can get people worked up into enough fear of what they're going to lose, and basically right. you can convince them you'll lose everything, but if you give us half of what you have, you'll get to keep the other half or you get nothing. Right. I mean, right. do you see any evidence that like that mentality is, is, is seeking, seeping into the, uh, the general population? Because I had Fernando Aguirre on uh, yesterday – uh, from Argentina, and he said basically in Argentina at this point, the people are on board with t having stuff taken away from them. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And, but I think it's much more pervasive and much more subtle than the, the conversation you and I are having. Um, uh, this is just a personal perspective, but I, I'm, you know, I got the uh, rubberized military flip phone version of cellular service. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really only make some calls, maybe a quick text here and there. I, I hate and despise to live my life 
connected to so much technology that I, I constantly can be um, uh, monitored and watched and 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 trended in with the crowds uh, by the corporations that sell me and follow my phone everywhere it goes. Um, and that's not coming from paranoia. It's just coming from a level of self, you know, self. Uh, 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 awareness, awareness, and and not not wanting to you know give up much of that. So, um, but I think for most people, you know, and I think, and I'm not here to bash Apple at all, uh, but you take you take the gadgets that we all walk around with, and they are marketed so much so so that people actually believe that they're um, there's so much good to come of it. That they don't even realize that, in, you know, coming in the back door is, is, uh, you know, you're basically getting your, your freedoms and, and your identity ripped off in a legal way. Um, you know, all of a sudden you're getting coupons in the mail for, for different, different, uh, you know, um, websites that you've been on or, or some kind of, if I look up baby food, next thing I know I'm getting something from Similac or, or whatever it might be and it's, um, you know, and how that ties into government and everything else. So that's the bigger picture. And yes, you speak a lot about it. I, I agree 100%. Um, people are definitely willing to give up their personal freedoms for um, for uh, the convenience or what they're sold and told to be convenience of modern life. Um, you know, it, it's something I'm watching and, uh, and 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 utilizing in my in my work. Do you see maybe a greater level of anxiety and fear in people that have families to, you know, especially younger children to, to consider in this? Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. On a personal note, I, you know, I'm I'm a father of four. Actually, I have two older boys from my first marriage, and I have uh, twins that were just born from my my wife and I. And uh, I've given some long hard thought to that, as my wife has. She's very supportive of of my interests and and my work and. Um, you know, it's a legitimate concern because you know what this culture is going to look like in the not too distant future is is um, not looking too promising, or at least not looking like what we once wanted it to be and thought it should be. Um, however, I got to tell you, you know, each individual household, and I know I can speak for myself and my wife, we stick to our guns and we and we we have a level of comfort at home um, that. And security that I'm not too worried about things. I'm not too worried about things for us because I know the 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 morality and the ethical way that we like to live. I, I know the the preparations we've put in place for for uh, you know things that are in our control uh, to to prepare for. And um, uh, you know you have faith in yourself, um, but that's lacking in a lot of a lot of areas. I mean, I, I personally think it's a lack of preparedness that, that's causing the anxiety in most people. You know, when I grew up, I grew up not that far from you. I grew up in a cold town in Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And when you went to anybody's house, if you went down in their cellar, it was full full of, of food, canned foods and things that they had. Most of it was stuff they had put up themselves. Right. You know, jams, jellies, a couple jugs of wine, pickles, chow chow relish, 
Uh, everybody knew how to cook. Everybody's grandmother knew how to cook better than the other person's grandmother. Everybody had a garden. Everybody knew their neighbors. So there was a preparedness without anybody calling it that. But, you know, I guarantee you if in 1979 you would uh, put a gang of looters together and headed into Jonestown, Pennsylvania, you probably would have come back with a couple of your looters with picks in their heads and a few of them shot, and nobody would have had to sound the alarm. It would have just happened because that was this community and that's how tight everything was. And I just feel like over the last 20, especially the last 20 years, that that dynamic has fallen apart. It's still present in some areas, but it's a dying dynamic. Yeah, definitely. I, I could see, you know, just the 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 area, the geographical area we I live in, um, you know, primarily to earn a living here on Long Island. And let's face it, you know, the shit hits the fan on uh, <laughs> Long Island. We're screwed. There's no getting off this island. I don't know if you've been here, but you know, there's about two or three bridges and tunnels. I mean, it'll be there's three and a half million people on this island. Not to mention where you're go- you're going to have once you get off, right. you're still trying to get off again. Right. You're exactly. not off in you, you, you need a boat. You know, so right, and and so you know, I put in, you know, in that kind of scenario, it's it's just like you know, I put in my contingency plans for me and my family, um, and I know what they are, and I and and I think we have a pretty decent, um, you know, uh, system in place, but for most people, and, and I'm losing my train of thought, but for most people, it, it would be a it would be a horrible nightmare. But we did break down as far as the last 25 years, and, and now I remember where we're going. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the sense of family and the sense of culture. Um, and it is definitely, without a doubt, in my mind, contributing to the, the higher levels of anxiety. And everybody you talk to is on an antidepressant, which is basically the umbrella for the family of medications that control and, 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 and regulate anxiety. Um, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, well, it's not funny. Uh, people come into my office almost sometimes as a last-ditch effort, and they're so quick to pop pills. Um, you know, regular Joe Schmo uh, is on, you know, two or three different psychiatric medications and doesn't even need to be. Well, I mean, I was just ask you that. Sometimes a person comes in and wants your help maybe is that, well, step one is we got to get you off the meds. Because the meds have taken a minor problem what... and made it major. Right. You don't even know what you're looking at. You don't even know what you're looking at. And, you know, medication has its purposes, and I'm not saying it doesn't. But there's a lot of different, you know, they're so quick. And that's what I'm saying. that It ties into the technology piece we were talking about before. So fast to, to you know, hit their physician. The drug rep uh, just left the office and left a box of uh, Lexapro for samples. And, you know, in walks uh, patient number one. Oh, yeah, check this stuff out. Let me know how it works in a month. And it's it's. It's just feeding the machine instead of saying, hey, you know what, where is this all stemming from? What's the core? What is causing me to feel so uncomfortable? Yeah, so the, quick to not want my, to do the work. You're on one of my pet peeves there with this, these sample drugs. When I was a kid, I remember the, the drug reps, but there, we didn't have all this mental-altering stuff going on. Uh-huh. It was rare that a doctor prescribed something that altered your mental state unless you had a severe condition, a chemical imbalance or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. Back then, it seemed like they were leaving around things like, you know, penicillin and stuff, and a doctor wouldn't just give them out randomly. They would take the patient they know who's kind of hurting and broke and having to pay cash and doesn't have insurance, and they'd say, okay, well, you know what? You need a, a week of penicillin for your kid, so here's three days, and I'll prescribe four, and it'll help you out. And now it's take this mind-altering substance and let me know how that works out for you. 
And, and I almost feel that that practice itself should be illegal. We shouldn't be giving away samples, samples of a mental uh, altering, psychotic, psychoactive drug. Right. Right. I agree with you. Not at least with some kind of professional intervention, you know, to maintain and, and, and to monitor things. You know, people, you know, you can always put a Band-Aid on it, Jack. Um, but I'm a firm believer from 90% of walk, what walks in my office, there's a, there's a cure, there's an answer without medication. Now, medication may be needed going through the transition to help contain you a little bit better. But at the end of the day, don't you want a better insight and a better understanding of who you are, what makes you anxious, what makes you tick, and where you want to go with your life? Or do you want to continue for the next, you know, however many years being a slave to the pharmaceutical companies? It's it's really, it, it comes down to that. Uh, I, I've made a statement I'd like to get your opinion of. I've said that if every, and you, you might not like this if it worked out, <laughs> it might hurt your no. practice, but I said that if every American, every single American that had the ability to do so, would put in one four-foot by four-foot garden and tend it, and tend it through the seasons, give it frost protection, eating one little bit of thing that they've grown for themselves every week out of that garden and made that a focus for them and got the family involved with it, we put most of psychologists and psychiatrists out of business because most of these things would, 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 would heal themselves. I agree with that 100%, and I don't take offense to it. <laughs> there's a, there's, a, um, there's a, a psychologist that wrote a book. It's called Last Child in the Woods. Uh, the guy's name is Richard Louv, L-O-U-V. Uh, I have no affiliation with him. I'm not trying to plug him for any other reason other than I think you should read the book. It's, um, it's, it's Saving Our Youth or something like that, the subtitle, uh, you know, from Nature Deficit Disorder. And, and I could be wrong on, on, on the title, but it's uh, Last Child in the Woods. It's, it's amazing, and it talks about that. Even for inner-city kids to sit there and, and, and go back on, you know, an empty lot and, and, and plant a garden or, or rake some leaves or just being outside. And ironically, um, it, it didn't pan out as of yet, but I, I plan on going forward with this. Um, the land I bought upstate New York, it's about 240 miles from where I'm sitting. About four hour ride with no traffic. Um, it's a little little five and a half acre piece uh, with running water in the back and state forest around it. Um, I back right up to it, um, and uh, you know I've been. It's been a labor of love. There's nothing easy about the environment it's in, and uh, the climate's quite quite harsh most of the year. Um, right in the snow belt and everything, <laughs> but. Um, I just love the community and 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 the uh, area, and I was actually wanted to put like uh, you know a um, therapeutic uh, summer camp together, um, where there's like you know the wilderness therapy type thing, which is pretty big out west. There's not too much of it here. I think there's a need for it. I mean, yeah. actually, when you mentioned the title of the book, I've never heard of the book before, but literally I had sorrow in my heart when you said the title of the book yeah. because I think of these kids today, and I think of how I grew up, and I was always out, whether it was gardening or fishing or hunting or just playing mm-hmm. in the woods with my friends. This was as a young kid when we were still in Florida, we you know running the swamps, yeah. and then we moved to Pennsylvania. It was like paradise for me. And to think of these kids growing up, and having none of that, and be right. basically being raised by Xbox. 
Yep. Right. And they yep. play a video game where they're being a soldier running around in, in like a wilderness environment shooting at other people where I grew up and we had, you know, toy guns. And apparently that was supposedly bad for us uh, to go around and like play war in the woods and play, you know, eventually paintball came around and we started doing that yeah. and all. But yeah. to think of these kids growing up without that in their lives, I, I think we're losing something that with the path we're already on, we cannot afford to lose. No, I agree with you 100% on that one. And, and uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I felt the same way I went with my sons. It was about a year ago, Jack, when I went to Toys R Us. We, we got talking about cap guns. And I had the coolest collection of cap guns as a kid. And, you know, they were really, uh, you and I are around the same same age. And, and they were all made out of heavy metal and, and well-built. And I had holsters for these things. I mean, I really took good care of them. And, my cousins and I would sit there, we'd go to the Army surplus store and we'd, you know, get all kinds of Alice gear going and run through the woods and, and the woods. <laughs> the woods for us on Long Island, it was like, you know, the park with the pond and, and there were houses all around you, but you, you made it what you wanted to make it. And, you know, and, uh, I went into Toys R Us with my boys and, and, uh, asked where the cap guns would be and they said, oh, sorry, sir, we're not allowed to sell them anymore. I said, really? When did that happen? Oh, years ago, we stopped selling them. So then we, you know, head on down the road. Where else can we get cap guns and run into a 7-Eleven, uh, get a cup of coffee, and I look, and there's these plastic little tiny $2 junk, and, and you know, my kids got so excited for it. <laughs> um, then we picked a couple up, and nothing really lasted. But uh, I'm a dad, and... I'm one of these guys, they both, uh, both my older boys have their little 50cc ATVs and we're upstate and they're shooting BB guns and they both have bows and I, I live the life you're describing and the life I lived and I'm giving it to them. Um, and sitting here in a very liberal state of New York is, it, it's tough and meet a lot of resistance to it. But more and more people are getting back to, uh, if you will, the basics and, and, uh, that's what I'm seeing when they get through make some breakthroughs through their anxiety levels and, and what's politically correct and, and, uh, and stepping away from that and making their own decisions for them uh, themselves and their families. And I think that's another thing that, you know, I'm kind of interested in your take as a, as a mental health professional on is that I, you know, I call it basically the demasculation of America, that men no longer know what their flipping role is in society. They don't make decisions. I mean, I have always defined my household as a benevolent dictatorship. I, I believe that I have 50.01% of the authority. And I use that very judiciously, but like when my wife wanted to drive in the snow one time because they were angry that she wasn't coming into work, it was, no, you're not going. If they don't like it, they can talk to me. And, you know, I'll make that decision. And I grew up in a society where maybe men even did it a little bit too much. And that pushback created a place where they're afraid to step up and do it today. And I don't see that just in men. I see it in women uh, where they're forced into roles that they would rather not have. I see it in children where they don't know who to follow because nobody's leading. And that means if you don't you don't get led as a child, you don't grow up and know how to lead. And I mean, I, I don't know if it, maybe you know the solution is every kid needs to spend two years in military service of some kind. I know like libertarian friends out there are going to be all upset with me now, but 
You know, if we don't, I might just on a side note there, if we, if we take all of the good moral upstanding people and say don't go in the military, then we're really hosed, right? right, right. I, I don't know if it's that, I don't know if it's Peace Corps, I don't know, if, but I just feel like no one understands the role that leadership plays in the, the, their individual lives or family lives anymore. And, and I know there's some people that do, but I'm saying as a society, I think we've, we've migrated away from it. I agree with you, and and everything you're talking about, you know, lends itself to, to add another little contribution to the anxiety level. So it, it's, uh, you know, I, I live in a very similar household as you do. And I have the utmost respect for my wife. She's a wonderful woman, wonderful mom. She does things I could never think of in a million years to do, and and do it as well as she does. However, you know what? Give me the same respect. You know, there's things I can do and do do that 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 are mine. Um, and, and my very one, well, I have two best friends in this world, and and uh, and one of them is a, he's a merchant marine. He's a you know on the other side of the world right now, but you know his his way of living is very similar to what we're talking about. He says, look, it's my job to keep the wolves away from the door, okay, and it's her job to help those children, you know, and raise them up right so that they can be, uh, like you said full-blown functioning members of society that know what hard work is, that know what, what morals and ethics are, that have some pride in themselves. You know, I, I got off the phone with my son last night, my oldest son, and he's like, Dad, you know, uh, what does he do? He, he's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting, he's at, at, a, at a specialized school up, upstate New York, and he, he's like, Dad, I, you know, I, they gave me a horse for the semester, and I'm taking care of him, and I'm, I'm and he feels so good about himself. He, he's, you know, mucking the stalls, and a lot of it's hard work. And that's what I think we've gotten away from. We've gotten away from tapping the human potential that we all have. That once you tap it, and you feel good about it, it, it adds to your self-esteem. It adds to your self-worth. Your, you contribute, it, whether you contribute to yourself or your family or society or all three, because um, it, it, it just it, it decreases the anxiety. It, it just puts a better spin on on uh, on what society really needs to probably get back to, in my opinion. Yeah, you bring up something interesting with animal husbandry there. I've been watching a lot of like these documentaries and stuff like that because it's actually useful to your mind other than some of the crap they have on TV. And we've been watching some stuff about the criminal justice system, and we've actually seen a lot of programs now, like we saw one where this guy was coming home from, from Iraq or Afghanistan, one or the other, and he had very, very serious PTSD. So much so that it was, a, I think it was Extreme Makeover or Home Edition we saw this one on, but I've seen it in other, other places. And it was so bad he couldn't even live in his house, so they had built him a new house out in the country where it was quiet and, and what have you. But as part of his rehabilitation, he had a service dog. And the dog gave him a grounding and things like that. But what was more interesting is where the dog came from. They take the, the, these criminals in in in, uh, in prisons that you know with good behavior seem to be low risk, good you know potential for rehabilitation, and they give them these dogs as puppies, and they raise and train the dogs, and then they go give that dog to a service member who needs a service dog. And they were saying how the recidivism rate in those convicts is a fraction of what it is in the general population. Uh, and, you know, I think detractors would say, well, obviously they have a predisposition. They, but I don't think so. I think that having something in your life you have to care for uh, changes a lot of the mental dynamics. Without a doubt, Jack. They, look, we can spend hours going through the different, you know, um, criteria and different mental illnesses that are out there and personality disorders and how you diagnose and, and what separates who from who. 
Um, and that's all important stuff, but it's really not pertinent here. What you're talking about is 100% of what I was trying to allude to. And, you know, you give somebody a purpose instead of just being a, I call them vidiots, you know, the, the kids that sit in front of the video game all day long. Uh, and, you know, the, the, <laughs> I'm stealing that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, God, so, you know, what'd you do all weekend? You know, you sit in front of the, the oh, yeah, you idiot, you know, and, oh, what'd you call me? Um, and, and you know, the proverbial sheeple and everything else that go along with it, because it's just this this mentality of, you know, of of the masses. Instead of individualism and, and pride and hard work, and I'm not sitting here saying, you know, hey, look, you got to be a slave driver to your kid. Isn't it okay for them to earn something? Isn't it okay for them to? That's what I have to do. You know, I remember my dad. I grew up with a with with a father who was he was a Navy man, um, and then you know out of the house and work, still working. And uh, I was about eleven years old, and he bought a lawnmower and a snowblower when we we moved into a, a bigger home. And and I said, oh, that's cool. He goes, yeah. You can do our house first and go make as much money as you want with it up and down the block anytime you want. Oh, okay. What do you pay me? Like I said, you can do our house first <laughs> and, and, and go make as much money as you want. Ah, okay. And I did. I did, and it felt good. And I was the only 12-year-old with 100 bucks in my pocket because I got paid $20 a lawn, and I did five lawns by lunchtime on a Saturday. You know, and it's like... It, it, I don't see that anymore. It, it 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 upsets me. I have kids in here, Jack, that don't know how to ride a bicycle, that that don't know how to swim, that don't know how to. They never went fishing, and we live on an island for Christ's sake. Yeah, you're like in fishing ground zero there. Uh, you know, it's just. Are you kidding me? So, um, yeah, uh, giving somebody something to care for giving them some self-pride and some self-worth. And this is all a process, and this is why the therapeutic process that I get involved in, it takes some time because you really got to rebuild, um, well, break down and then rebuild a person's psyche to some level, and they have to be willing to do that. Um, there's one thing I wanted to share with you. If you think of it, you know, we spoke about a lot of different uh, aspects of anxiety and, and society. Um I think that everything starts within us as an individual. And what I've learned in school, when you work with um, uh, people, you, you have a micro, a meso, and a macro level of intervention. Okay, so if you think of yourself at the micro level and you make whatever changes and adjustments and, and look at your life as an individual, and let's say the meso level, the middle level would be either your your home and and the macro level be maybe you know the neighborhood you live in. And then you can also take that from, you know, uh, you know, any kind of other increments. It can be a micro level of your home and a meso level of, of your neighborhood and a macro level of your, your country. I mean, it depends on how you want to break it down. But if everybody started with themselves or even, you know, half of us started with ourselves uh, and, and taking a good long look, think of the exponential uh, impact that can have, you know, as a society, as, as a as a country, as as a neighborhood, as as a school, as uh, whatever the case may be, it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing, and it doesn't cost anything. 
Well, it's absolutely true. And it, 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 it always seems like the solutions that don't cost anything and work the best are the ones that are completely ignored because nobody profits from them. Yeah, that's very well put. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if we really were in a paid-for-results society, I think we would see a lot more of uh, proactive solutions where we're more in a paid-for-product society. I don't know how to fix that. I mean, I am a, a natural capitalist. You know, you're talking earlier about earning money by going out and doing something. I think that's very productive. I think a lot of our uh, angry youth right now, if they would just start figuring out how to go out there and make something happen for themselves, they'd be a lot happier. They're going to get a lot further than holding a sign up and being angry. Yep. I mean, definitely. Yep. But I, I also think that it's because we've lost that that spirit that says that's the way to get things done. In other words, somebody should give you a job instead of you going out and creating an income. Oh, and, well, and that, yep. I'm sorry <laughs> to interrupt you. Now we're talking about my, my second favorite topic that goes along with all this is the, the word entitlement. And, you know, and I'm not talking about necessarily government entitlements or handouts. I'm talking about just the attitude and the culture of, you know, well, I want that because I just want it, <laughs> whatever it may be. You know, the iPhone 4S, the 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 Mercedes Benz. I had kids in here coming, and we live in a pretty affluent society over here. You know, years ago, uh, all upset because they got the BMW and not the Mercedes for graduation. You know, and it's like, uh, really? It, that's 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 why you're in therapy. Unbelievable! I, I, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have nannies bringing their children. You, you know, it's like, where's your ma? Where's your dad? Yeah, where, where's the family? Your nanny had to bring you here. Yeah, I mean, no offense to the nanny, but I mean, and I'm telling you, Jack, this is several different families over the years, and it just blows my mind. It's fix them, fix them, fix them, fix them. Oh, and if you can't listen, I'll just give them what the hell they want. But that's but that is the mentality. That's what these people. Um kind of, you know, I guess expect uh, is that if you can't fix them, I'll just shut them up. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, and I, I don't think this is a this generation problem. I think no. we're in the second or third version of this and that each more successful generation did it more. It's a, a cumulative problem that's grown over time and now it's really, really bad. And the problem is the the generation one back doesn't know how to fix it because they grew up the same way. And in a lot of cases, even one further generation back, you know, we'll go back to the beginning of Gen X, back to the tweeners of this, yep. you just have whatever you want. And it, I know if you grew up in the 70s and the early 80s, you probably didn't get everything you want, but you got most of what you wanted. And then those people grew up and, and turned around and, you know, like I have a, a, somebody I know that, that fits this mold perfectly that I'll leave nameless, but he believes he grew up doing without. Absolutely, fundamentally believes he grew up doing without. Um he's told me, you know, you know what it's like. And I'm like, well, I, you know, paid my own bills since I was 16 years old. I don't think we're in the same place here, buddy. But, you know, you let it go. But now he so overcompensates by giving his children, they have to be in every activity. They have to have every new thing, you know. And he's actually a legitimate disciplinarian when it's called for with behavior. But at the same time, he's, he's you know, putting his own family into debt and stress because they have to have everything that, quote, he didn't have when he was a kid. And my response, if I if I could be blunt with this guy, but I can't, too sensitive, would be the reason you didn't have all the stuff they have now is it didn't even exist, right? And no one gets everything they want, nor should they. Right, right. And and it, it, you're 100 percent on the money. It, it's just and again, let's focus this all around the, the the big topic of anxiety. 
I mean, how, what are the kids, what are you saying to a kid that's like, you know, you know, if there's an issue with you, we're going to bring you to a professional, you're going to sort this out. But listen, we don't really have time to get you there, so, you know, you could, you can let the nanny do it, your babysitter can bring you. Um, what, what's the underlying message? You're, you're really not all that important to me. We want the answer, we want the result. We don't want to do any of the work that requ- is required for it. And that's what you're teaching your kid. Well, your message it's, is you're a pain in the ass and I'm sending you somewhere to be right. fixed the same way if my car makes a noise, I take it to exactly. a mechanic. It doesn't, matter who that. Car, it doesn't matter who takes the, the car to the mechanic. If your nanny takes your car to your mechanic, it really doesn't matter. But it's not a car, it's a kid. Right, and and it's the it's the next generation, and half of who we're talking about sitting there marching on Ducati Park, not far from where I'm sitting. You know, it's it's like sitting there. You know, what about me? What about me? What about me? And yeah, what about you? Yeah, I paid off student loans also. You know, I, absolutely. It's, it's just the way it it goes. I mean, I was fortunate. I had a lot a lot of support, but at the same time, it, it's just what it is. I'm self-employed because I like my own. You know, my own dynamic every week to happen the way I would like to have it happen. Now, not everybody can fit into that mold, and they don't have to. But it's, I think, self determination and and hard work and and responsibility, personal accountability and responsibility go a long way to making somebody mentally healthy. Yeah, I think a pro- you know I, I I have mixed emotions about the whole Occupy movement. I try not to say too much because it's a polarizing issue for the audience. But part of me does have some sympathy because I feel this way about these kids. They were told that everything you just said meant go to school, get decent grades, go to college, get decent grades, and it will work itself out, and everything will be wonderful. Well, that's not how the real world works. No. And but they did what they were told. And now they're going, okay, where's my job? Where's right. my where's my golden ticket? I was told that I would make five times more than the person that only went to high school, and I, I can't even get it. The guy with what the high school has been working for five years, and I have nothing. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of the entitlement problem there, but I also think, like, well, we created that. And I don't mean you and me. I mean we as a society, we made those people that way. A hundred percent. And I'm not – and, I, you know, I want to go back on that. There's, there's not – not change my mind per se, but there's not. I'm not casting blame on the people that are that are marching. It, it has nothing to do with them. Um, it does to some degree because you know I think at some point you know all of us have to you know wake up and say okay what role do I have in this this world that I'm that I'm living in? Um, but you know the, those wheels were set in motion long ago, and and it wasn't those children that that. You know, they did it. That lifestyle. Right? Yeah, I mean, they might have been taken to their see their therapist by their nanny exactly. five years ago, right? Exactly. And I mean, and and, exactly. and and you know, they said go to school and get good grades. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go down that rat hole or anything because like, people do get upset about it. But yeah. um, I do think that it's a symptom of a larger problem, and the problem is basically nobody wanting to be responsible for their failure. Like we're in a society now where everybody wants to get credit for their success. But no responsibility for their failure, and isn't that how banking works? Right, you get to keep all the profit, but if you fail, we'll fix it for you. Yeah, we'll bail you out. Pretty so, much. I, I mean, I don't oh, know and, what to say about. And, and then, oh yes, we need more money of your, you know, your tax money. Oh, and oh, we gave our executives thirteen million dollars in bonuses. I, I got a new tax for you. I know this is kind of off the subject, but I just I got to I got to put this out today. I found out yesterday from a listener about this. It's called the Christmas tree tax. And what they want to do now is they're going to tax every 
person who buys a live Christmas tree 15 cents. And all lots that sell Christmas trees have to collect the 15 cent tax, and the money is going to be used to put together a board to oversee Christmas tree sales to improve their marketing and their image. Now, do you know what I think? Now, you tell me if I'm just being a conspiratorial nut here, but my mind says that what this really is is they realize it's a very heavy cash business, and they have no way of really providing oversight so they can collect taxes on the sales and profits, so they're going to make the customer pay for the uh, development of a board whose real job will be to make sure that everybody's reporting all their income. I'm with you, Jack. (laughs) That's not crazy? Wow. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. (laughs) But I'm with you. Yeah, but I, I, I kid you not, that was the quote that it was to improve the image and marketing of Christmas tree lots. That's the purpose of this board. And I don't think that in, you know this is coming out of the this is a top level federal tax. This isn't like some local municipality. Right. This is out of the Obama administration. And I don't think that President Obama even has the time to be concerned with the appearance of a Christmas tree lot. I doubt he's worried about that. <laughs> I doubt he's worried about that. Now, we might get a Christmas tree czar. I mean, <laughs> well, that would be good, you know, because then we can definitely have some checks and balances as to what quality of uh, balsam fur you're going to get. Or, well, listen, it, it, it doesn't end, and that's the problem that the bureaucracies that keep growing and growing and growing and growing, and, you know, you want to get started on government. I mean, I think everything that they've touched in the last several years has, like really gone down the the the, the proverbial crapper. Um, they don't do too much well, uh, you know, when it comes to running business and, and government. It, it just should be separate. But yeah, that's a yeah, whole I've other. Yeah, it's been a long time. You know, we have separation of church and state. Yeah, you have yeah. a new amendment that is the separation of business and government. Yeah, and the two should exactly. not be allowed to even touch each other. Right, and that, that's that's the problem. I mean, that is ultimately the problem. And uh, you know, my wife and I were just having this discussion, and it gets so multi-dimensional and so multi-leveled. And how do you keep track of everything and who's doing what and what agendas are out there and different political parties and different? Like, look, you know, basically, we have to do exactly what we were saying before. We have to raise our children and live our lives in the most prepared, uh, economically sound and spiritually sound manner, so that. You know, we minimize the effects on uh, for anything that goes down. And it's funny, I have two things to share with you. I'm sure you've heard about that, that, that one joke where the guy gets pulled over and, uh, and uh, you know, he says to the officer, he said, officer, I just want to warn you, I have a 45 caliber on my waist. And the cop says, okay, no problem, thanks for letting me know. You know, please handle it. I'll wait, and I have a 12-gauge in the, sh- in the trunk. All right, not a problem. Uh, officer, um, I have uh, an AK in the back seat, and I have a 9mm in the glove box. And finally, the cop says, well, thanks for being honest and everything, and please step out of the car, guy, just, just for both of our safety. But what the hell are you worried about? The guy goes, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, he says, why do you have all those guns? And he would have said, because carrying you in my pocket's too heavy. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. So and then uh, you know so you sit there and you think of like the whole you know the world getting hit by a by an asteroid and the place getting wiped out and all kinds of different things that cataclysmic events that may or may not happen science is predicting and it can drive us nuts but Jack I can promise you one thing something of that magnitude is going to happen if the shit hits the fan uh, I'm buying a case of beer and a carton of cigarettes. 
Man, you know, I was just thinking the same thing. When people, I've had a guy ask me one time, he goes, what would you actually do if we had a credible report that a comet was going to hit the Earth? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, not a little rock. We're talking a big no, old no. Thor's yeah, hammer comet, end of right. all worlds. You know, yeah, I'm like, I'd have a beer under a tree and watch the light show. What, right. I mean, there's, there's a certain level of fatalism I think is necessary. Yeah, I'll right. fight to survive as long as it, it's the same thing with, you know, a cancer diagnosis. I've always said to my wife, if I ever got cancer and the treatment had a reasonable chance of success, I would fight right. it every step of the way and fight for my life. If it was absolutely terminal, I'd actually prefer to do nothing and just right. accept that that was the lot I was given in life. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, we're saying this and, and I'm trying to make a point, like there's certain, there's certain things that are just so astronomical, literally, and, and that they're out of our control. Doesn't matter how much prepping you do, how much food you store, how many guns you have, and how many, where are you going to go? So, you know, there's really you got to wrap your head around the idea that, hey, it's going to happen, and you, you can't can fix everything. I mean, right. I'm sure you've seen the big gravel hauler trucks, the big ten wheelers, and they're yep. full of like twenty tons of gravel. Yep. You know how you prepare to get hit by one of those? Yeah. And you go like in the fetal position and hope it doesn't hurt that bad. Yeah, that's, exactly. the whole, that's the whole thing. There's nothing. Exactly. And if any one of us could be driving our car and have one of those clowns run a red light yep. and hit us. I mean, I remember one time when I was very young, I just moved to Texas, and we, I worked at a telemarketing facility, and all of a sudden all the phones and lights died at one time. Mm-hmm. And we went outside to see what happened, and a lady on a bicycle got hit by a 10-wheeler. She, I mean, she was obviously dead on impact. Her body flew through the air and hit a transformer box and the phone can, and she, her body literally, that's how much she was moving, literally obliterated it. There's nothing that that person could have done nope. to, to survive that impact, and that could happen to any of us or all of us any single day, and yep. that's one of those things to put in the I don't have time to give a crap category. Right, right. Because you can sit there and ruin your life ruminating over these things and, and, and you know, the horrors of the world. It, it's just not worth it. You prepare yourself the best you can. You prepare yourself within your economic means. You position yourself so that you're, you know, you're healthy. And, and these are some of the things that, you know, I share with my clients all the time. I'm like, you know, if you're worried about your own personal protection, this could be a lot of fun. Go take a martial arts course. Go, you know what I mean. Go, go find somebody to work out hard. You're, you're getting in shape. You're learning a skill set. You're having fun while you're doing it, and and you're building some of that confidence. You know, play a game with your credit card and try and you know whack down the the uh, the, the the debt little by little. Throw an extra five ten dollars on on the thing, uh, on the uh, on the uh, minimum payment. It won't hurt you. Um, you know. Pick up a generator next time you see it on sale. Hey, we just had Irene come through, right? Not too yeah. long ago. And, and, you know, we were, my wife and I, my neighborhood was out without lights for about six days. And, and, well, my neighborhood was. I wasn't. Sure. And, and guess what? I don't even own down here. I'm waiting to rent and, I'm renting and waiting to get the hell off the island at some point. So we're not buying here. Yeah. And, and, but I have the, uh, the, the little portable Honda. Yeah. Jacked up the, uh, you know, I got the oil burner, got the fridge, and got some lights on that sucker. And and guess what? We're cooking. Our food's <laughs> not, you know, my neighbors yeah. are coming over to me, and they're storing their freezers in my freezer because I have an extra freezer that I had on. Yeah. And they're like, Jim, can we, uh... I'm like, yeah, no problem. All of a sudden, you have a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I guess that was probably a pretty big wake-up call was Irene for a lot of people in your area. Yeah, definitely. 
That's Definitely. probably what a lot of people have started. You know, you were talking about the like the inaction or people being paralyzed or ruining their life because they're worried about something happening. Here's the one I see all the time from people when I talk about land ownership. Mm-hmm. People telling me, I don't want to own land because it's, you don't really ever own land, and the government could come and take it away with eminent domain. And, and I, I look at that, and I see it as a mental problem, like, well, yeah. if you, what if you did everything in your life that way? I'm not going to drive to work today because I might have an accident. Right. I'm not going to go down the street because the light might be red. I'm, you know, and it, 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 I, I don't get that. And right. my view is if you want to take my land, I've already done everything I can to get out of your way. Right. We're going to fight about it. I might lose, but I'm sure as hell not going to, you know, take, or, or take no action just because somebody might come take it from me. I mean, do you see that dynamic manifesting itself in maybe other ways yeah, with I, I, people? I, we say it a little bit differently. It's the fear of success. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it really is. And I think yeah. success not in an economical sense, but, like, you know, I think people just find whatever it is, excuse, and they use all kinds of defense mechanisms to rationalize why or why they don't do something. And it's like, really, when you break it down, hey, look, you know what? <laughs> live that way then but that's where fear turns to anxiety anxiety turns to uh panic and then panic you're deer in headlights and you're really treading water in life i I use that analogy a lot you're really not going anywhere there's a lot of energy being expended and there's no benefit to expending the energy you know so you're sitting there you know all the worrying all the I say it to people like that. I'm like, are you done letting that rent real estate in your brain? Like, you know, are, we gonna get over this <laughs> are you done letting that rent real estate in your brain? You know, it's just it's, when you break it down and make it simple, Jack, anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I see it in with marketing consulting all the time. I'll consult with a company and they'll have a product set. And I'll say, you know, what's the margin on that? I'm like, well, you could afford to do, let's say, a 25% discount on that product or add a second product in and then discount it from there, and there's still a healthy margin there. And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, why don't we put that together, run a product-based sale on this? And I know this sounds unrelated, but it's where do you hear how it ties back in. And then the objection you get is, well, what if 5,000 people want to buy it that way? And you go, you'll make a crap load of money. <laughs> You're not paying to give it to them. Yeah. It's like, well, but yeah, but if we had 5,000 people buy at that price and we were given $25 off, we're losing $7,500. No, you don't have anything. The whole right. reason I'm here is because you haven't sold a thing. Right. This is to get the stuff out the door. And, yeah. and people that run successful businesses actually think that way and give you that objection. What if everybody does it? Well, yep. I, I don't. I don't even know what to say. I, Jack, you, you, I had a. I had a woman. I'm talking, right? This is. A, this is actually what it sounds like when somebody objects to me like that. I don't know. Ah. Yep. You think the, the the words don't complete themselves because your mind shuts off. It, exactly, and that's what, and that's that fear, and and there's that anxiety, and it keeps people immobilized. They can't move from that position, and it's it's sad. You know, one of the biggest motivating phone calls I ever had is I got out of graduate school and I was working in a school. I was working in a school that I went to high school in because it, it actually afforded me my afternoons and summers off, so I can get my practice going. Okay, so yeah, I'm leaving at leaving the house six thirty a.m. I'm getting home nine ten o'clock at night, whatever it was, and and I spoke to this. Um, I hired a woman, to, you know, to supervise me, and she gave me the name of a lady. She goes, here, you know what? She's in private practice. She's like, why don't you give her a call? Because you're trying to do a cash practice and things like that, like you know, pay for a fee for service. 
So I, I spoke to this woman, and I'll never forget where I was sitting. I was in my office at that school, and I introduced myself, and I told her who told me to call. And she's like, oh, you're out of your mind. I said, I'm out of my mind. She goes, nobody will ever pay you enough to stay in business out of their pocket. And I hung up the phone, and part of me felt so freaking defeated. I was like, you know what, maybe she's right. Now, to get insurance reimbursement in my, my industry, forget it. It's just a nightmare. And that's a whole nother show. But it's a nightmare. So I was like, I can't, maybe I should just stay here. I'll work here. She's right. And I hung up the phone. What the hell am I thinking? I'm going to prove that someone's so wrong. Sure. And you know what? You get real creative. I, I get, and, and 14 years later, I wish I had her number. You know, <laughs> it, it's like, it, it's just like, you know, hey, I'd like to take you to lunch, you know, and, uh, and I'll buy. Well, I see that all the time around business. I mean, we yeah. just had a, a kid on the show. I don't know if you heard the episode, but this kid named Trevor, 24 years old. A man, I should call him, not a kid. I, I used to get mad when people called me a kid when I was 24. But he set up his business, and it's all based with bicycles. He's doing the zero carbon footprint thing, and he's doing composting. And people pay him to take their garbage away. And he set this up to a point where at 24, it covers every single bill and expense that he has. And yet we have a guy come on the blog and basically say this business is not valid, it's less profitable than a paper route. And, and I look at the business and I go, well, I'd probably run it a little bit differently. And my entrepreneur mind goes to it and I'm like, well, I could build this to a quarter million dollar concern in any major city in America in a right. year. Easy. And, but he's going to crap all over the thing, even though it's actually all – and it's not like an idea. Like, you know, you're like, I want to do this. This guy's okay. like, I'm already right. doing it. And he's still crap self-sustaining. And I think that people that do that have a deep-seated internal inadequacy feeling. You know, I think so. I think so. And it's that that, that again, you know, that fear of success and the, and that you know and and envy. You know, and and that's part of you know ties all back into like the society we were talking about. Sure. Before. Well, and if, you know, if that works, then why didn't I do it? And why right. can't I? And if that's that easy for him, then you know, and right. then I'm I'm envious and I'm angry and I'm self-loathing in some ways. I would. Yeah. Say. Yeah, and see, see, for me, I, I love listening to your show when I can. I, I got to be honest; I, I listen probably two to three days a week. I'd love to listen even more. There are times where I can get a, uh, an hour or two, and I can, I can, you know, plug in. But um, it's been, you know, for quite a while, and and uh, and I'm sitting there going, okay, look at this guy did. Speaking about you in my mind, with the passion he had, I want to see you succeed. Why wouldn't I? You succeed. You just added another healthy development and 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 addition to the society. Well, thank you. Know? you. And I, you know, it's amazing to me. Like I've actually always thought that with people, like the, the the desire to see somebody fail has been more what I'm accustomed to. When I started doing this, the the audience that grew up around it. We're like the first time I was surrounded by people that were actually rooting for me to actually be successful, doing yet another one of my crazy things. Mm -hmm. I, and and, and the, the sad thing is, I've been surrounded by people that are like, "Well, that ain't gonna work," or "That'll right. even though I have like this track record where it all, all always has worked. Right. And I I don't think it's because I'm gifted. I think it's because I'm driven. And I think that's why I believe anybody can do it. If you had to be gifted, I'd say that then there's only the gifted segment of society that can have that level of achievement. But if it's drive, then anybody just needs to figure out what the hell does it for you, and then go right. get it. And when some gets in your way, knock it over, cut it down, or bury it. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can, and that's like, if you wanted, like, the most advice I can give anybody in the business world, or life, that would be it. That's the whole, that's the whole shooting match. 
If it gets in your way, knock it down, bury it, or cut, you know, or or or, or, uh, or cut it down, you know, or shoot right. it. Right. I, <laughs> I don't really know what else to say on that. You know, it, it, it but, but <laughs> there is nothing else to say on it. it. It's, it's, it's good for you. It's good for your family. It's good for us as a society. It's you're, you're one less uh, individual and family that that's entitled to other things out there that would come off the back to somebody else, um, you know, or be be maybe not given to somebody that does need it. Um, you know, the more, and I go back to my EMS classes, and you have to refresh in New York State every three years, so they have to go back to, you know, the drawing board and test out of what you know and replenish what you don't know. And, and you know, rule rule number one is scene safety. You pull up on an ambulance and, and you get to a scene, the last thing you should be doing is getting blindsided, running out that door and tripping over the live wire that's in the street that's sitting in the puddle that you just walked through. I mean, you know, evaluate it, look at it, and keep yourself um, alive so that now you didn't just become another burden for somebody else to clean up. Um, and and I know I live my life that way, and I know I try and share that with my clientele as much as I can, and, and I think one one individual at a time, and hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm always an optimist, and, a, and I think we can we can start making a real difference in it. Well, I mean, what I've heard from you today is very, very encouraging. I'd kind of like to, we're, we're about time to wrap up here. You know, do you have any, uh, just some maybe basic advice for, you know, families out there that are concerned about their children's futures and in this world where there is a lot of things to be uh, anxious over, you know, what are some simple steps that they could take to uh, to make that family unit stay strong and to make sure those kids yeah. grow up into fine adults? Jack, there's, there's a couple of quick things. Number one is communication. Okay, and 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 I think that's the forefront of every single relationship. But if you can't communicate, and I mean that's a two-way street. That's hearing and listening, and also expressing yourself correctly or effectively. Um, you got to start there. And in order to do that, I mean, look at baby steps. Okay, you don't. Nobody has to go out there today and go enroll their kid in therapy and and worry about everything and get more anxious about what we just discussed. You shut the phones off. And shut the TV off and actually make a meal together. Cook, garden, sit down and chat. Throw a ball outside with your son or your daughter. It doesn't cost anything but your time. You'll feel really, really much more in control to actually take the electronic leash that you're attached to 24-7 and to shut it off. Speaking of which, about, what, 10 minutes ago, our government shut us all off. Today's that national EM whatever day, you know, the oh, yeah. emergency broadcast. Yeah, so I'm surprised we're I guess we, we they did shut down yet. the Internet after all then because we're on Skype right now, and I can't see how that – so maybe they didn't shut yeah, the it off. maybe they didn't. But i got to tell you, the Dow Jones is down 352 points right now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Something's going on. Maybe we're um, the only one still on the air. We got yeah, a real yeah. wormhole or something. know. <laughs> I never know, but the, the, you know, start small, start real small, start simple, and uh, and and you'll see the 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 payoff, you know, exponentially expand in your life. Um, like I said, too, real practical things, a couple of fears and anxieties. You know, go take a firearm safety course, go uh, take a martial arts course or or, or training, um, join a gym, get in better shape. You know, last year, unfortunately, I had a nasty habit of smoking cigarettes. And, and I put them down. 
You know how much freer I am? You know how much more cash is in my pocket? You know how much more oh, absolutely. healthy I feel? I mean, it was such a crutch and such a nasty habit, but something that was so hard for me to give up, and I finally picked that date and said, you know what? I'm in a position right now. I'm ready to do it. And and that was that was prepping right there. Absolutely. You know? absolutely. I, I'm not going to be a, a, a statistic in society that that costs you and everybody else money to keep me in the hospital and keep me on a ventilator for the rest With of the Lung life. cancer and emphysema right. or whatever. And, I mean, then the leash, you talk about a leash. Yep. I never wanted to hire smokers. And it wasn't just because they smelled bad. It was right. because they had to have smoke breaks. Right. Right. Or I was always like, you can do whatever you want as long as your projects are done. It's pretty easy, boss. But the, the the fact that your workflow is interrupted because you cannot continue without running outside and burning a stick for five minutes. Yep. As an employer, that's absolutely not what I'm looking for. No. And that might be discriminatory, but well, it is what it is. So sorry. You're you're hurting my bottom line with your habitual behavior. Right. You know. Right. Right, and you're a slave to something. So the, these are the things that I think, uh, you know, you talk about personal freedoms all the time. You talk about self-sufficiency. You talk. It's not only in the, you know, latest and greatest flashlight or the latest and greatest stove or piece of equipment or toy that we all have. And those, that stuff is all real cool. I have a garage full of it. Um, it it's, 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 you know what I did also? I put a will together on LegalZoom. You know what I mean? For for seventy bucks, I got I got a peace of mind. It's sure. a little bit more preparation, and you know, again, not plugging them. I don't have anything to do with them. But it was an easy way to sit down for a half hour and make something happen. I've been meaning to get done. Absolutely, and it's one less thing to be anxious about. You know, because right. right. we talked about the government a little bit. I don't want to go too far into that because I'm sure you and I can go on for like four hours with it. Yeah. Um, but. One thing I don't want them doing is making any decisions for me that I can prevent, and I definitely don't want them deciding how my stuff gets distributed after I'm dead and I have no voice. Exactly. So it, it, it's a, that's, that's a great tie-in at the end. Any, anything else? Because we do need to wrap up. We're over. Uh, I think I think we're okay. Okay, we're okay. cool. I'd love to be part of the show. Anytime this has been real great for me, I hope it's been okay for you. Oh, it's been awesome. And uh, anytime we can get back together, I'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that maybe the next time there's some kind of major event that people are flipping out about, uh, I would have loved to have been in contact with you back when um, uh, the uh, tsunami hit in Japan, and I was telling everybody, yeah. stop it. Stop yeah. spending $400 for a bottle of potassium iodide. You don't yeah. know how it works. Yeah. Or I would have loved to have you when um, the swine flu thing was going on. Oh, that was crazy. And everybody yeah. and their mother was telling us to sneeze on our sleeve and wash our hands. And, yeah. you know, come on. And they canceled major events, and it was just... The hysteria around that in in our community there was hysteria there. So and you know what that is, Jack. Jack, as soon as there's hysteria, there's control. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. If they, if they can get you hysterical, they got you by the old proverbial nuts. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey man, again, I appreciate you being with us today, okay. Jay. And uh, you do have a website. Uh, I do. I do. NCCounseling.com. Yes, and that's counseling.com. It's a little outdated, but that's the way anybody wants contact. Ah, uh, NS counseling. That's why I couldn't get it to come up. Yeah. The internet's not down. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, folks, I'll put a link to, uh, to James's website, and I'll also put a link to that book. I, while we were on the air and you were talking, I actually jumped over to Amazon and ordered that book, which was, uh, uh Last Child in the Woods, and I ordered that and it sent right to my iPhone. I'll be reading it tonight. Uh, uh it's great, Jack. I really like it. All right, folks. Well, with that, this has been Jack Spearco today along with James Sellers helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.
show it on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. 